Hi, everybody. Here with Tommy Robinson, who I believe is up past his bedtime. He is an independent journalist, the founder and ex-leader of the English Defense League, or EDL, the author of the best-selling books and highly recommended Enemy of the State and Muhammad's Koran, and he recently took a stand among a forest of cell phones for free speech by delivering Martin Sellner's speech at Speaker's Corner in London, England. The website is TommyRobinson.online, twitter.com forward slash T Robinson New Era. Tommy, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks, Stephen. Seems like a pivotal moment, not just in British history, but in Western history. It feels at the moment like here's where we take a stand or we lose everything. And the undertow to try and have us lose everything seems to be very strong, and it is through the force of will that we can hold on to everything that we've inherited from the past. Is, is that my interpretation? It seems out of line with you, or does it feel like everything's kind of coming together at the moment? I think that the actions of the Home Office, the British Home Office over the last week, have definitely built up to that moment. I think the people in this country realised very quickly when we saw Brittany Pettibone, Martin Selner, then Lauren Southern, and even looked back on the morning of the demonstration, when we saw innocent people, when we look in our country, we know who's coming into our country. We see it every day. We see cases, whether it be the Parsons Green bomb attack this year, refugees, all, all, come, all these people who are coming in who are known for extremism. We literally have people. We have thousands of jihadi brides on their way back to this country. We see all of these things. And then we see who our government was making the stand against, who they were quick to hold, detain, and not just not just prevent coming into our country, but the actions to Martin Selner and Brittany Pettibone to punish them for three days in a detention centre, to put their lives in danger. These actions, become very it made the British public come very aware and I don't think I was really aware the, the feeling the feeling until I got to speaker's corner and then the history of speaker's corner and all of it built up for that moment and um I wasn't sure what to expect myself I wasn't really sure what to expect and yeah then and even even taken up in the moment of it all to understand how big it was or what was happening until I could get back afterwards it's like whenever I give a speech whenever I do an interview until I watch it back to really work out and look at from all sides how it played out, it's only then that I realised what a success the day was, what a stand it was, and also the feeling amongst the British people that everyone feels that well, it, it wasn't just about this week. People have felt for years that our rights, our freedoms, our ability to talk, our ability to criticise, with all the new hate speech laws, everyone feels gagged, everyone feels silenced. And this was a moment where everyone was coming out and saying enough is enough and no more. We will, we will speak. We will criticise. And Speaker's Corner would be the, the pivotal point for that. Well, what happened with Lauren and Martin and Brittany was truly astounding to me in, in how much it illuminated who's welcome and who not, who's not welcome in the country. Because you've got returning jihadis taking up residence and being well-funded by the UK government. You have radicals and extremists of every kind pouring in. Nothing is done to stop them. And here you have peaceful people who wish to share a message of freedom and tradition and responsibility and, and European glory, and they're not allowed in. So they can have closed borders, just not to people from the European, uh, but only to people from the European tradition. And I think that was kind of a really incandescent light bulb in people's minds just to wake them up to where things stand. You can have open borders if you're an extremist, but if you're not an extremist, 
You can't come in. And that, to me, was a powerful moment. Huge. Because you, you are right. When you look at even when you look at even one of the terrorist attacks, the, West, the, the, the London Bridge attack last year, that man had tried to, tried to join ISIS. He was an Italian. He was a Moroccan descent living in Italy. He tried to go and fight for ISIS. He was stopped. Italy then made the whole of European, all European countries aware of who he was. He then flies into our country unchallenged, unstopped. It's not like there's one example of this. There's literally hundreds, if not thousands of examples over the last few years of Muslim radicals and extremists who have not been prevented and not been stopped. We've got one man touring British mosques now who's actually banned from preaching in Pakistan. He's that extreme. And he's, he's touring our mosque. So, yes, it was a it was a light bulb moment for many people to see, well, look who they're stopping and look how 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 secure they can be and how quick they can be to um to not allow certain people in and, and the reality for everyone is and everyone realizes that we have this privileged minority in our country a special minority who can't be criticized who cannot be upset that's all this was about that's all this was about was the fact that if britney or martin selner come in it could upset the islamic community that's it and, and when you see that we have certain politicians in Scotland as well. I'm in Scotland now. We have certain politicians in Scotland. We have certain campaigns, massive campaigns in this country to bring back some of the young girls that they say were, were groomed, they say. Some of the girls that went out to fight for ISIS, some of, the, some of the young British Muslim girls who went to join ISIS. There's campaigns to have them brought back, massive campaigns. People all openly supporting it. And when these three, when, when these three people were stopped or four people were stopped, really it's only been, I haven't seen not one single MP, speak up. Not one. Speak up and speak out for the people who felt that they should have been allowed in. And um, I think that it shows a, a worrying a worrying start. If this is what they're going to do now. If Because anyone in this country seen what they've done to try to do to silence me. If they're going to do this now, and now they're going to detain journalists who they disagree with their views, then it's a scary path we're heading down as a country. Well, it's a very certain path where it ends up, because to me, the calculation on the part of the government is quite clear that they're not going to get much trouble from the white Christians, but they might get trouble from the Islamic extremists. And so it is simply a matter of an amoral calculation of costs and benefits. And to me, this recognition of this basic fact means that, okay, it's the old saying, the squeaky, gre the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Who gets appeased? Well, the group that people are most frightened of. What that does is it encourages people to escalate aggression, attacks, threats, violence, and so on, because that has been clearly signaled by the state, this is how you get your way. This is how you get us to bend to your will. And that lesson is not going to be, it's not just going to be confined to one group over time. To be honest, our government done the same with the IRA. So mm. it, our, our government showed that certain, certain actions work. They, they, they've allowed people to see that. And it's the same it's the same with the Islamic community. It's the same. Their terrorism does work. Their terrorism does work. Our, our government are coward and they're afraid and they bend to everything and anything that they demand. And people have seen that this week. And, and that's one good thing. I know Martin Selner said that. This has completely exposed your government. And, and what gets me, what gets me, Stefan, is that they don't care. They don't care. I, it's like when the police would make a decision against me and I think, what, you're actually going to do this? And everyone's going to see you do it. 
and you don't care that everyone can blatantly see the persecution you're doing. They have not cared at all making these decisions, even though the whole world, look, as far from, from Canada to America, have watched on Britain this week and felt ashamed and disgusted and alarmed at the levels they're going to to prevent people coming in to who talk about Islam. Not a single care. Not a single care. There's not one bit of worry from the government so long as the Muslim community are not going to want to blow things up and attack people. But that doesn't change because they still do. They still will. And it just delays their process. Well, and delay, of course, as we know from demographics, might be the entire end game uh, as far as things go at the moment. And this strikes me as well. You know, the America and uh, Great Britain, of course, uh, have the special relationship, uh, defeated uh, fascists and, and totalitarians in two world wars. And now, of course, if Donald Trump wants to try and get into London, he's going to have significant problems. But if you're a returning jihadist, we paved the way with gold and here's some free housing and health care. And that is truly an astonishing thing to see based upon at least how I grew up, which was the recognition of the special relationship between the US and the UK. We've just seen the King of Saudi just last week come into our country. As I was in London, as I looked to the right, as I looked to the right, I saw huge billboards, massive billboards with pictures of him. Welcome but welcoming him everywhere across our capital city. I saw no protests, no demonstrations. This is a man, and in, when, in comparison, this is a man, this is a royal family who execute people. People are, are murdered for leaving Islam. Uh, the, the oppression of women, all of these problems that the real, that these feminists and these people who scream about Donald Trump should be angry about. And complete silence from our whole government and from our country. He was completely welcomed into our nation. And you're right. And then Donald Trump still has not come to Britain yet because and, and, and at the moment he does. I hope that the British public come out in their hundreds of thousands in support of him, because otherwise it's going to be such an embarrassing moment for this country. If we allow the, the vocal, they're not the majority, the majority of the British public, I'd say, support and, and, and love Donald Trump. But what we see is the, the minority of far left and the vocal media who control everything, it would, you would think that people hate Donald Trump in this country. That's how, that's how it would be led to believe, because of the, the, way, the way it's pushed. But they don't. The general public don't. And I hope that just as they come out on Speaker's Corner in a historic day, I hope that if Donald Trump does come to our country, that people line those streets in a massive numbers, in massive ways. Yeah. Yeah, it is, uh, it is a, a strange, strange turn of events. And where do you think things stand with regards to I mean, this endless series of horrors that are coming out in Telford and Rotherham and other places? Telford, of course, in particular, where you have well north of a thousand young white girls uh, preyed upon by this Pakistani Muslims, a tiny percentage of the population. The vast majority of these kind of pedophile gangs are, are targeting these white girls. I mean, w what is it going to take for people to say, we really need to stop and reassess this process? I mean, how many children are going to be burnt on the altar of political correctness before people start to ask some fundamental questions about what the hell is going on in the country? We, we held a demonstration there as the English Defence League in Telford over these exact issues seven years ago. Seven years ago in that exact city. And at that time, we were shouted down again. What will it take? This, that is the big question. When, when you see and whether you need to really humanize these stories because i don't think people reading these stories are really putting in to the exact 
to the stories, how, how, how big this is. For example, when you've got, if you stop the average British man in the street and you asked him, are you aware that 11, an 11-year-old girl, that an iron rod was heated up with the letter M and it was burned and scolded onto her backside because she was the property of a man called Mohammed at the age of 11 in a city called Oxford, then most people would not be aware of that. If you said, would you be aware that a young girl's tongue was taken to a table and a nail was put through it? in one of the sessions where she was being groomed and raped by gangs of men. Most people would not be aware of that. If you asked, would you be aware that there was a 12-year-old girl in a room as 50 Muslim men queued outside the door, one by one to come in the whole of that night and gang rape her, most men would not be aware of the details of these stories. So people say, oh, Rotherham. Yes, we know girls got raped. People say, Telford. I think they really need to, every British member of the British public should be fully aware of the details of what's happened to these children because the sadistic nature that the this wasn't about men pleasing their sexual desires this was about absolutely taking those children and destroying them and and sadistically destroying them as a weapon of war when you when you read into the details this was nothing this was not a gang rape this was not sim this was not like this was actually done to destroy the children i spoke this week to a father whose daughter was 12 years old who has been gang raped as well in another city called berry they took her into the park at the age of 12 picture this if you've got a daughter or anyone's got a daughter, a 12-year-old daughter, they took her, they gang raped her, then they poured a canister of petrol over her entire body it, while she's naked in a park to scare the living hell out of her as a child, as a child. So people really need to really look and read into the stories and not just the stories, but then understand the systematic, the lengths that the government and the police went to for, to facilitate and accommodate all of this. Now, there's 10 people 10 people who refused a public inquiry. So there were calls for a public inquiry into Telford a number of years ago. And there's 10 people, all part of the Labour Party, all hiding and covering their own backsides, who refused a public inquiry. Who went and, and, and I said, the next thing I want to do is find these 10 people. Find these 10 people, make them famous, put a camera in their face and say, these are the people that are hiding it. These are the people that, are, that still today, Stefan, when you read the crimes of what's happened to our country and our children, and you understand that not one single person in position of power, not one police officer, not one council worker, social worker, not one person who allowed and facilitated all of this to happen. Not one of them has been brought to justice. No one has faced criminal charges. They will, even the people who resigned have resigned full, with full pensions. So, the, so what, the message has not been sent out at all because every single police officer, I think there's 43 police officers that were investigated in, in just Rotherham. Every police officer, every council worker, all of them that knew this was happening must be imprisoned, must lose pensions, all of them to send a message out that what they've done is wrong. So that other councils where we know this is still happening across our entire country, so that those countries are too scared to allow it to happen. Because I'm sorry, but it, it, when you look at the power of political correctness, when you ask how powerful is political correctness, and then you read the crimes against these children, and you think that men, men, actually stood by and let this happen and are still letting it happen today from from every, from the length and breadth of, the, of britain when people understand this isn't rotherham this isn't telford this is every single town and city in our country is happening in every town and city in, in fact in fact stefan if you look at the muslim population in telford and in rotherham it's very low the again 
I, I said at the time with Rotherham, I feel Rotherham's been used as a scapegoat town. There's only three and a half thousand Muslim men in Rotherham of the age it can fit. Yeah. Now you you compare Rotherham to Bradford or Rotherham to Birmingham or Rotherham to Luton. The problems in the, in in the other cities with massive Muslim communities are probably so unthinkable or so untouchable that they've used smaller cities where there's not that many Muslims to really shine a light on it. Whereas the reality is that I think they've just been used as scapegoat towns. And the reality, if people understood, is that upwards of a million, probably a million children have been raped across this country. Oh, and and I, I recently did a video on this, Tommy, and I was basically asking the question, which is on a lot of people's minds, is where the hell are the parents? Where are the hell are the fathers in particular? And I got stories, of course, and people said to me that uh, they, they showed, sent me stories where they, men tracked down their children to where they were being held in these rape houses, in these pedophile houses. They call the police. The police come along and arrest the fathers who are trying to save their children. Arrest the fathers and do nothing about the rape gangs. That's, in the, that's actually in the government report. That's actually that, that, that case. You see... We spoke about these crimes since 2000, 2004, actually, but really since 2009 in a big way. And people thought we were lying. People thought we were exaggerating. People didn't believe us. When we said the police do this, the police do that, people didn't believe it. Only now in the, in the J report from Rotherham, we find out that, yes, you're right, two fathers got together. They went to try and get their daughters back who were in houses held by men, and they arrested the fathers. Another case, an 11-year-old girl was in a derelict home. Uh, like a, a, a derelict property, and there was five Muslim men in there, all raping her. The police turned up in the home, in the in the in the building. They arrested her for drunken disorderly. They let the men go on their way. When you understand the lengths that there, there was one father that I, I actually met, who's from a city called Blackpool, up in the north of England. Blackpool actually is where two young girls have been murdered. The, the same as Telford, young girls have been murdered. One of the girls, Charlene Downs, in Blackpool was murdered and chopped up into as a kebab meat and fed as kebab meat. And the, the police actually had, the, the men got off. The men have not been brought to justice. The men were still running the same takeaway that they'd done it in. It's, they're just horror stories that people can't understand. The, and and, and in, in this town of Blackpool, so the father, I spoke to the father who they took his daughter. And when they took his daughter, the boy who was raping her, the Muslim boy would be raping her, but he'd be ringing the girl's dad. So he has to listen on the phone as the man and his father and his father, him and his dad. So the Muslim boy and his dad are raping this man's daughter and they're phoning him. So he has to listen to her. This is the length of real, the sickness of it and the way it's being done and used as a weapon against non-Muslims. If you speak to, I've spent time with a Sikh charity called Sikh Awareness Society who continually, who have been battling this since the 1980s. It's always the same. The comments made by the men whilst they're doing it, it's religiously motivated. It's always about the girl being a kafar, a, a filthy infidel, all the things, all the way through this. And, what, and still with the Telford case, you know the Telford case come out in our papers last week. Not one mention of the word Muslim, not one mention of the word Islam. Still, we've had all of these cases all of the facts, all of the things for people to research and look into to find out that 90% of grooming convictions are Muslim men, that 20% are called Muhammad. All of the facts are there. We've only seen 222 men convicted. 222 men convicted. And 
1,400 children raped in one small town. This is a massive problem. This I know there's court cases going on now. Huddersfield, 29 Muslim men, Oxford, Bradford. They're all taking part right now as we speak. When these court cases, Telford hit the news, but some of them, when they come to the, come to the press, they only make the local newspapers now. And to say that, yeah, if, if we reverse the roles, if a group, if any other group, if the Chinese, if the Russians were in our country doing this, if any other ethnic group or religious group were causing this mayhem, this destruction, this rape, this pillaging, if any other group were doing it, then our government would be calling them out, actions would be, be, be being taken. But because it's the privileged Islamic community, because it's the one community we're not allowed to talk about, it's being left. So here's another thought experiment for you, Tommy. Imagine if there were a thousand white men in Saudi Arabia who were responsible for the rape of countless numbers of little Muslim girls in Saudi Arabia. How do you think the Saudi government would treat those white men? The way they should be treated. That's the problem. They treat them the way they should be treated. When we have this one, this one section of our country, this one community, and if you look at the, it's again, it's again, Stefan, if you look at the numbers and you go for Rotherham and you go through the detailed reports and you listen to the girls say how many men raped them on how many nights. And then you look at the demographic and you see that, well, there's only three and a half thousand Muslim men in this town. How many of them were involved? How many men? Were, is it, it no longer the little threshold, that, the little argument that it's a small minority. No, it doesn't weigh anymore. That does not weigh anymore when you've got girls saying that they were raped by 30 men in one night and then you start looking at the ages and you've got 1,400 victims and each victim has been raped by this many men. And then you look and see there's only three and a half thousand Muslim men in that community. And, and then we also we are also aware that all of the members of the community, the mosque leaders, everyone knew it's happening. We see Anne Cryer was an MP for the Jewsbury area. She went to the she went to the imams and she begged them. 2010, she begged them to help with this problem. They refused. Even now, after all these problems, we have 2,000 British mosques. Only 500 come out and took part in a scheme to talk about the grooming issues. The other 1,500 didn't. What we also see is who's getting the funding and who's getting the money to tackle this now. Muslim groups. Or, or, this is where it's just, no matter what they do, no matter how much terrorism they cause, they benefit. It's, I went to, I was talking to a Muslim lady, and bearing in mind I've worked with Seek Awareness Society, who are, who are a volunteer charity, who have received no government funding, who have relocated, probably upwards of 10 children have been moved out of this country. Some have been taken to Canada. So when the girls are groomed and attacked, this, cha this Seek charity go in. They don't, just help, they, they don't just help Seek victims, they help all victims. They go in, they know they have to get the girl out of the area. They, they have safe houses around the country they take them to. Yeah? This is what this charity does. They, they work tirelessly. I, I've travelled the country listening to them, meeting them, meeting victims with them. And then I meet this, I, I'm taking part in a debate, and I meet this Muslim woman who, who she says, I do grooming workshops. I said, what do you mean you do grooming workshops? Well, I work with all the taxi companies, so I, I, I spend time with the taxi drivers making sure they're aware of the risks of grooming and what to do in this. I said, all right, so you're a Muslim woman and you, you run what group? And it's a Muslim group. And who funds that? The government. So the government fund you, the Muslim woman, and your Muslim group 
to talk about grooming. I said, how many grooming victims do you know or have you met? None. So you haven't even, you haven't even met a victim, but here you are as a company getting so much money plowed into you of our money again. So you can sit down and tell taxi drivers that it's not good to rape kids. Like they don't already know that. Like, and then we hear, and then we hear our polit some politicians saying it's, it's the access because it was taxi drivers because it's easy access. No, because there's not gangs of white taxi drivers in other cities doing this. This is happening because of an ideological belief that you believe or they believe as a community that our women are filth, that the legal age for sex is once you start your period, that the, all of these beliefs and the reason it's happening is because of your ideological and religious beliefs. That's why this is happening. And all, you, all they have to do to justify their actions, all they have to do is accept that we're in a house of war. Because if this is a house of war and we have house of God, all they have to do is that, and then it becomes acceptable. Because as we know, Muhammad took sexual slaves across his country, and that's uh, wherever he was, and that's exactly what we're seeing. And I'll ask anyone, are you telling me that these children in Rotherham were not taken as sexual slaves? They were taken as sexual slaves. And that's exactly what's prohibited within the Quran and by Muhammad. And you've probably seen these reports and been horrified them as I have, Tommy, that you have British policemen who are openly stating in their reports that 11-year-old rape victims are somehow consenting. I've seen it. This was Telford. I've also seen the same police force saying that religion played no matter in this. Race, race played no matter in this. Oh, it makes me sick. It is it's sickening. And then this is, the, don't you see that police officer there? <laughs> They're the people that need to be brought to justice. He needs to be locked up indefinitely. He needs, to, he, he needs to have no pension. He needs to face the consequences for what he's allowed to happen. But none of them have. None of them have. Well, even the calls for a real public inquiry. We saw the inquiry in Rotherham, which is what all the data and all the statistics we talk about. It comes from this inquiry. Mothers in Keighley and in Bradford have been demanding and calling for the same sort of inquiry. But they've been refused to this point so far. Telford, they've refused. It, we don't. We, what we need a public inquiry is, is to whether this is sanctioned within Islam, whether what these men are doing is accepted within Islam, whether the crimes they're committing are wrong within Islam. So we can. We need to understand the link between Islam and the actions of these men. So that we don't keep calling them Asian grooming gangs. So we don't talk about even the word grooming. It's like mm. you're grooming a dog. This is rape jihad. That's what's happening. We're seeing a rape jihad across our country of young girls. And people still, even after everything we've witnessed, people still are blind and oblivious. And whether, whether they are blind or oblivious, but they're still not accepting the reality. 4%, Stefan, 4 or 5% of our country is Muslim. And just look at what's happened. Look at what's happening to our nation, uh, our population of 5%. And I just, I, I, I ask people, what do, you, what do you think it's going to be like with the, with the demographical change? Are you, not, are, you, are you not from the same, are you not, not looking at what's happening? What do you think it's going to be like in 15 years? I've got three children. What do you think it's going to be like for them? Do you have no idea what's going to happen? And that's why, yeah, and I hope that, as I said, the only role we can play is try to wake people up. And I, I am aware that the British public are more awake now than they've ever been. But we still have a long way to go. Well, and this is 
some of the comments that I get, Tommy, I'm sure you get them too, where people say, I can't fight everything. I can't fight this problem of demographics. I can't fight mass immigration. I can't fight my own government who's more likely to arrest me for criticizing pedophilia than arresting the pedophiles. I don't know how to fight this because there are so many forces arrayed against trying to get a change. And of course, the British people did, I think, try to get quite a change or at least gain some control over their own borders through the Brexit process. And I'm sure you're aware, it was just found out that uh, England is rolling over, the UK is rolling over to the EU, um, mass immigration, open borders, at least until 2020, people get almost permanent citizenship forever so that they're not uncertain about their legal status and so on. And this is after the British population took considerable risks uh, personally and professionally to speak out against open borders to try and gain some control of a mass third world immigration. And um, Theresa May and others uh, just rolling over. And I don't know if there's not going to be a speech, free speech solution, if there's not going to be a political solution. I think we all know where this leads. I think you're right. I think that... Um I think that we need a political option. We need a political solution. We need we needed after Brexit, UKIP bought us Brexit. That's the reality. Nigel Farage bought us Brexit. We needed that political party to then tackle Islam. We needed the Conservative Party to start losing votes and the Labour Party to start losing votes to the British public on the issue of Islam in the close knit candidacy. But we didn't see that. That's still what we need if we don't have a political solution. And to be honest, we're the only country that doesn't in Europe, whether it be Le Pen, whether it be Wilders, whether it be Swedish Democrats. We've seen what happened in Austria. We've just seen what happened in Italy. All these other countries, because of our first past the post system, it's very difficult in this country. So the only way we can do it is to put pressure on the we can't, starting a new party. I think it's impossible. The, the idea impossible to get in power. The idea should be to put pressure and take votes from the others so that they shift on their on, on where they're at which they would because they're such cowards and such. If they saw the swing, and there is a massive swing, and I think that Britain is primed, and I hope that, I don't know if you're aware, Jared, Bat Jared Batten has taken leadership of UKIP. Jared Batten is completely sound on Islam. So if he grows into the leader that he could be, then and galvanises and electrifies the working class on this issue. The, re the reality is, in this country, we have no one to vote for in Islam. We have no one. UKIP never represented it against Islam. UKIP was against the European Union. They didn't speak about Islam. Under Jared Batten's leadership, they could. So I think in the next couple of months, we'll, we'll see as a country, do we have an anti-Islam political voice? And if, the, if we do, then that could be the solution. Without that, I see nothing but heated discussions and anger and frustrations taken to the streets. Oh, it's going to boil over into violence. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And this is why I try to keep these conversational channels open, Tommy. It's why I try to get people to continue to talk about these issues in the UK, because um, historically, uh, if, if a people are cornered and brutalized and oppressed and made to feel strangers in their own land, uh, and if their laws get displaced, and if their population gets displaced, they do not take it uh, peacefully. And uh, we are, I think, still in the realm of peaceful, relatively peaceful political solutions. But I think the time for that is, um, the clock for that is running down. I agree. I, I think that this Saturday in, in Birmingham, uh, Britain's second city, England's second city, I think you'll see tens of thousands of people taken to the streets uh, under the banner of the Football Lads Alliance. 
this is a growing movement as well. And this is the first time that this movement has would have had faced opposition or been in a city that has a Muslim population. So time will tell. Time will tell what happens. But yeah, you complete. Uh, how much more? I, I said it after the terrorist attacks. How much more do you think British men will take? How much more do the government think English people will take? When we're seeing our children brutalised and raped, when we're seeing theatres blown up, when we're seeing the, you know, and when you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel, which is, there's there's none at the minute. The government have made no stops to stop ISIS fighters. They're actually welcoming back jihadi brides. When we see all of these things, we see that no no measures or lengths are being taken or, or put in to, to detain 23,000 Muslims on a watch list. But we see lengths are being made to stop and prevent journalists or people coming into our country who want to talk about that. When you see that, that's a dangerous mix. And I always say that if you pull that and, and you make people feel like there is no solution, then you'll create monsters. And I, I, got, and I said this with, Darren, with the Darren Osborne case. I don't know what else they think is going to happen. It's like, And it's like they're building it up to happen. They're allowing it to happen. Yeah. 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 No, it, it almost feels like an, an engineered conflict. When, when you see the when you see the 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 UK law enforcement leaping into action because some guy made a joke video of a dog who looks like Hitler and this guy gets dragged through the court system and so on, but open pedophiles where the fathers are pointing through the window saying they're in there now with my daughter's blood on their hands and nothing happens, it has become a mix of Kask, of Kafka of Dostoevsky and of Dante's Inferno that there is a kind of hellscape that is rising in the British landscape as far as I can see it. And those of us, uh, like you yourself in particular, of course, Tommy, who are valiantly trying to find verbal free speech informed solutions, um, it is almost like you're being pushed aside because they want this kind of battle. It's, it's hard to imagine how they think it's going to occur in any other direction. I agree. And the case, the case you're on about with the dog, that's actually why I'm in Scotland. I don't know if you're aware that he's, he's in court in the morning. It's tomorrow morning, right, Count Dankula? Uh, so just help people uh, who are not up to speed on that uh, travesty. So Count Dankula is a man in Scotland who made a comical video. He took his dog, his partner's dog, and he taught her dog while his partner was away. It's a dog that she loves, cute little gorgeous dog. And he taught her dog that if he says gas the Jews, it lifts its paw up. Now, at worst, people would say, and if you watch the video, I don't do any justice there, because if you if you watch the video, no matter who you are, it's a funny video. Yeah? And it's humour. And whether at worst, people could say it's bad taste humour. But a crime? To put someone in prison? When we go through, whether it be Monty Python, or we look through co comedy sketches, or we get comedians who make jokes, whether they be racist jokes or religious jokes, are you going to start imprisoning them? And this is where the level of free speech has gone. And that's why, following on from what just happened this weekend in Speaker's Corner, that's why I've come to Scotland to report on this. Because if this man goes to prison tomorrow, if he goes to prison for a joke, he clearly is not an anti-Semite. He clearly is not a Nazi. He clearly was having a wind-up and a joke with a dog and making a humorous video. And if he goes to prison tomorrow, then it's again, it's another shift. And basically what they want to do, what, what they want to have in our country, they want to have us being raped, they want to have terrorist attacks constantly, and they don't even want us to have the ability to talk about it. Because in the last couple of weeks, we've seen Sadiq Khan out in Texas, we've seen another Labour MP with the CEOs from YouTube, and what they've done, and this is when I, I can see how it's all playing out, 
basically that Darren, Darren Osborne court case, which was the man who run the truck into Muslims. At the start of that court case, in the opening of that trial, they mentioned me, Tommy Robinson, and they said I had Twitter direct messages with this man. No, I didn't. It's a complete lie. I'm, I'm actually going through court proceedings against them. But what that's done, they, they used that. So a Labour MP this week went to sit down with YouTube CEOs and said, um, why are you promoting Tommy Robinson's videos? Why are you the man who was linked, the man who was linked with the, the, the Darren Osborne terrorist attack? Well, I wasn't linked, but they've used that false allegation to now try and silence me on YouTube. And this is where we're headed. And then you've got Sadiq Khan talking in Texas. And then I think they made a statement today saying that the wild west of the Internet, the wild west of you can say whatever you want on the Internet days are gone. Now, under these hate crime, I've, I've seen just three days ago Baroness Varsi in British Parliament. She stood up because Lord Pearson invited me into Parliament and I've done an interview with Lord Pearson. She stood up and said, Tommy Robinson and his hate. This new word of hate where they're bracketing everything. That's going to be used to remove us from social media, from, from YouTube, from, from Twitter, from Facebook. So then as all this is happening, you can't even talk about it. Even the people making slight comments are arrested. We saw after the grooming scandal in Newcastle, another city, seven people made comments underneath linking it to the linking it to Islam. The police went all around their houses, straight around their houses. So, yeah, so th this is where we're heading. And, and, that, and where they're heading is to silence and free speech becomes the fundamental issue in it, which we realised this weekend, is that if they take our speech, if they take our ability to talk about this, if they take our rights and our freedoms away to even criticise and give our opinions on it, then we have nothing. Then they just steamroll through. Uh, we, are, we are being replaced. Martin Selner's speech said that. We are being replaced. We are. We are. You just have to come to my hometown. Look at my, and again, my hometown of Luton, in, by 2030, the Pakistani and Bangladeshi community will increase by 70 to 77 percent. The white population of that town or the non-Muslim population of that town will go right the way down to 15 percent. That's happened in my, my lifetime. That's happened in my lifetime. That's how quickly it can happen. That's what people who if you're sitting in America, if you're sitting in Canada and you've just got small, small numbers coming, you don't realize how like that. It's like, oh, my God, what has happened here? And with the open border policies, with the influx of refugees, and there can be no mistake currently with what's happening across Europe that this is planned and orchestrated. And I'm just glad that we have some people like Victor Orban. We have certain countries now coming together, whether it be Poland, the Czech Republic, hopefully now Italy, Austria. We have a, a formation within Europe who are repelling and ready to fight against what I'd say is the, the takeover of, European land. Yeah, I mean, it is uh, incredible how quickly demographics can change, particularly when, of course, you tax one group and use it to fund the birth rate of another group. Uh, it's not even an organic process, so to speak. I mean, you're paying people to come in, you're giving them huge amounts of money, uh, you're giving them free healthcare, free education, uh, subsidized housing, and then you pay them sometimes through welfare benefits per child. So you're taxing one group and subsidizing uh, another group, you're taxing one group, which means they can't have as many children, and you're subsidizing another group, which means they can have many times more children. And it can happen uh, in 20, 30 years. Uh, that is how quickly uh, it can happen. And uh, that is astonishing. 29% of 15-year-olds in Britain are now from immigrant background. 29%. So when that generation gets to ours, that's a 30% level of our country that will be basically from the Islamic community. 
Well, as I said, look, look at the problems we're facing from 5%. So people need to really, if you want a safe future, if you want a prosperous future, if you want to hand down to your children what was handed down to us, people need to get up, get, get off their sofas and get out of their houses, stop moaning about it. Yeah, well... I appreciate the call to action. Uh, I want to suggest, of course, uh, check out uh, Tommy's uh, books, Enemy of the State and Muhammad's Koran, and also check out the website TommyRobertson.online and uh, Twitter.com forward slash T. Robertson New Era. Um, I look forward to seeing what you've got to say about the case tomorrow. Thanks a lot for your time tonight, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Stefan. Cheers. Thanks a lot.